John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to dig in your word. And God, I do ask, Lord, for those that are sick and under the weather that could not be here this morning. Uh, uh, some, Lord, I know it really would have meant a lot for them to be here today, especially. I just pray you'd encourage them. I pray they get some out of the word of God, even if they can follow online. Uh, Lord, uh, I pray you be with Brother Joe in his quarter-life crisis. He's 25 today. Lord, bless him. And Lord, I pray you'd help us as we get into the Word now. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You let Brother Joe know you're praying for him, okay? Uh, happy birthday, Joe. So uh, that was just, sl- just slip it right in. I was talking to the Lord. You guys overheard it. That's all it was. Um, but uh, I-, I want you to notice, guys, in verse 26, uh, there's a concern uh, from the-, the part of the disciples of John Uh, And it says here that all men, look at the end of that verse, all men come to him. Uh, All men come to him. And and let me just say this, religious people, when they uh, see you getting closer and closer to Jesus Christ, they're going to say things like you're in a cult. Like, 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 you know, you're going too far. And, um, and look, I'll be honest, look, whenever we tell you to move, if I ever say move out to my property, you know, and eat off my land, then you can call us a cult. All right. Uh, un- until then, stay on your property and I'll stay on mine. We good? Amen. All right, this is not a cult, but, but when you follow the Lord Jesus Christ and want to follow him more closely, the, the, the King James Bible says uh, to follow Christ. It does not say to be an imitator of Christ, as new versions say. The devil is an imitator. He's not following Christ. You get that? As you follow Christ, there are going to be those that say, hey, you've gone too far. And my response to that would be like, we probably haven't gone far enough, honestly. Uh, look at John chapter 11. Look at John chapter 11 real quick. We'll come back to this. Uh, this is something that you're going to see over and over, not just in the Bible, not just in the Gospels, but if you're trying to live a real Christian life, you're going to see it in your life. Uh, people will say, you're, I mean, last night, uh, Brother Sean and a couple of guys went downtown. How'd that go, by the way, bro? Amen. Amen. All right. Look, look yeah, yeah, right. they probably did call you a cult, I'm sure. You say, what, what cult are you? The, the Christ cult, you know, I'm following Jesus Christ and I'm doing what he did and he ministered to people in public, right? I, I look at John chapter 11, look at verse number uh, 48, John eleven forty-eight. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. Oh no, gasp, we got to do something. We got to control the situation. So here's what I want you to, to keep in mind. Anytime someone tells you you're going too far, what they're really saying is, don't follow that authority, listen to mine. Because at which point you say, okay, in order to make them happy, I'm no longer going to follow Christ as closely as I was. All you're doing is swapping authorities. You're going, no longer is Christ and the Bible my authority. Now this person is my authority. And now that they go, good job, Adrian, now I accept you. All right. And, and by the way, you are accepted in the beloved. You don't need acceptance from people. You're accepted by God. Uh, but, but, but this is a problem that a lot of Christians face. When the pressure comes on, uh, look at uh, Matthew 13. This is the parable of the sower and the seed. And one of the hardest things to watch as a pastor is to watch people get saved, uh, watch them get baptized, watch them go through discipleship. Uh, and then family or friends, uh, pressure comes in from people, and they start kind of cooling their jets. And they were at church every time the doors open. They're volunteering for everything that they can. I mean, uh, it doesn't matter if it's nursery. It could be a 50-year-old man. I'll do it. You know, like, no, no, we don't need you in there, you know. Uh, but they're, they're excited to follow the Lord. They'll do anything that you ask them to do. And then someone puts a little bit of pressure on them. Maybe makes fun of them. Maybe says you're going too far. Uh, 
And uh, I would just submit to you this. Jesus went the ultimate length for you. You're never going to go too far for him. Uh, Look at uh, Matthew 13. Matthew 13. Look, if you would, at uh, verse number, uh, let's see here, uh, 5. Verse number 5. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number 20 to see the interpretation. You know what the seed is? It's the Word of God. So the Lord is trying to put something into your life that's going to build your Christian character. Uh, and, and as that happens, you're going to get closer and closer to the Lord if you're submitting to it. And if you submit to that, uh, welcome back from Korea. Amen. Good to see you. All right. Uh, all right. We got a, did, did anybody get a, a two-week pass? Did you get a two-week pass to Miss Church for two weeks? I don't uh, I'm just kidding. Good to see you, sis. Uh, but but when, you, when you submit to the Word of God in your life, you're going you're gonna to automatically want to follow the Lord closer. And, and with that, what's going to come is pressure. You are not going to escape any kind of success in life without pressure. If you want to get in better shape physically, it's going to take pressure. You want to get in better shape financially, it's going to take pressure. You ever said, I'm going to save up for this thing, and then you start saving, you realize, man, I can't do this and this and this and this and this. And then people around you go, oh, you're a fanatic. You know, you're saving too much money or whatever it may be. It doesn't matter what it is that you want to succeed in in life. It's going to involve pressure. And oftentimes, pressure from people. Let me go a step further. We're going to look at this in a moment. One of the people that took on the title of friend to Jesus Christ was Judas Iscariot, the betrayer. Keep that in mind. You're going to have pressure from friends. They're going to tell you you've gone too far. Uh, Look what happens here in verse 20. The interpretation of the seed that goes in a stony ground. But he that received the seed in the stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon. We looked at this Wednesday night. If you don't know what anon is, look at the the same uh, parable in Luke. It's immediately, and immediately with joy, receiveth. In other words, man, this is great. I'm learning the Bible. This is so good. It's so pure. It's so wonderful. This is awesome. What's next? Yeah, well, let's keep on reading. Yet hath he not rooted himself, but doeth for a while, for when tribulation or what? Jesus freak. You still going to that church that believes the King James Bible? You guys still sing those songs out of that book? Isn't that old-fashioned? Why are you going to that church? Why are you doing I mean, that weird church on the side of a bank. What's wrong with you? You're going to get pressure, and, and people are going to kind of push you a little bit. And here's the thing. If you're, I'm, I'm trying to help you out here. If you don't have much of a spine and you just fold every time they push you, it's going to happen over and over for the rest of your life. If you would learn to stand and go, this is what God, God is doing this in my life, through my life. I'm sorry you can't be happy for what God is doing in my life through the word of God, but I'm going to keep enjoying what God's doing in my life. If you would learn to stand on that, people would learn that after a while they'll realize I, I can't blow them over that way. And some of those same people that are making fun of you, believe it or not, I've experienced this in my own family. Some of those people that are making fun of you, when the stuff hits the fan in their life, years down the road, guess who they're calling? So, so I would encourage you, rather than folding like a deck of cards whenever you get pressure about following Jesus too closely, and, oh, what's going to happen? They're going too far. Uh, go back to John 3. All men come to him. Well, good. It'd be great if all men came to him. They don't all come to him, but it'd be wonderful if they did. And you being one of those that does come to him is, is an amazing thing. It's a great thing. Uh, never let someone make you feel like it's a bad thing. You live in a world where evil is good and good is evil. 
uh, and, and I don't know how much you follow current events, but, uh, and look, this isn't a political thing, just more, uh, here's the problem, when you talk about current events, and it's an issue of morality, and unfortunately, somehow politics is tied to it, unfortunately, people think you're talking about politics, I don't care about the politics of it at all, I don't care, I think there's as many corrupt Republicans as there are Democrats, I believe all that, I, I, but, but I'm going to just say this much, all right, in the state of Florida, uh, they passed a law that you can no longer, it's an anti-grooming law, so you can't do vile things in front of children. The fact that you have to pass that law says something about where our country's at. So, so guess what? Uh, there was going to be a, a gay pride, some kind of pride festival. And uh, when they passed that law, they said, well, I guess we can't have our parade. I'm like, were you doing it for the kids? Uh, this isn't about grooming kids. You go on and do your parade. We don't care. We just don't want you messing with the kids. You, 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 see, you, you, you see, what is that? You live in a day and age where good is evil and evil is good. And if you stand up for that which is righteous, you're called a hater. And if you hate that which is evil, you're called a hater. And if you love that which is good, you're called a hater. And it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, though, here's what you have to understand. You are not going to stand in front of people of the Genesee of Christ. You're going to stand in front of the Lord and give an account of your life and what you did for him with the time that he gave you. Uh, look back at uh, verse number 27. This is John's response, and I love this. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Uh, one time, and it's in Numbers chapter 11, it's on the, on the slide up here. One time, uh, there's some people prophesying in the camp of Israel, and they run to Moses, they go, Moses, Moses, someone's prophesying. And Moses is like, great. I wish all that God's people would get some of the Spirit of God and would prophesy. I mean, I mean, I'm ad-libbing here a little bit, but you understand that's basically the idea. The idea is like, I wish more of you guys would get filled with the Spirit of God and speak the words of God more often. And they almost ran to Moses like, shut it down. And Moses is like, no, this is great. I love it. And so when they come to John and they're like, John, everyone's going to him. John, what are we going to do? John's like, well, then it's from the Lord. Except to be given him from heaven, no man can do anything. In other words, uh, he's pointing to Jesus Christ's authority and he's pointing to the fact that Jesus Christ is, is the re- revelation of God in human form to mankind. Look at John chapter number 1. Go back to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. You know what the, the Father does? The Father speaks from heaven, giving testimony about the Son. All right. And so what John is pointing to is the fact that, look, the reason why all men are going to him is because this is God's plan for the ages. I was here for a time. God used me for a time, but it really wasn't all about me. I wish Christians would get that through their heads. It's not all about us. It's about Him. All right, look at John 1. Look, if you would, at verse number 23. John 1, verse... You say, why do you always say that, Pastor? It's not all about you. Because you come to church thinking about you. Absolutely. You drive to church thinking about you. And your problems, and your fight with your spouse, and this, and that. The other day, someone came to me at church and go... How did you get nanny cams in our house? I was like, whoa, whoa, what are you talking about? You always talk about things that we're doing. I'm like, well, that's not me. That's the Lord. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't have that kind of technology yet, guys, uh, and I don't want it either, right? Uh, but all, all joking aside, you know, you know what you need to learn to do? Understand, when you come to church, it's not all about you. No one shook my hand. Good. Good. Did you walk in and shake someone else's hand? Or did you make it all about you when you walked in? You know, I, I, no, nobody recognized that I took a dirty diaper out to the trash can. All right, you know, sorry, no one recognized it. But I can tell you this, God saw it. 
I mean, I mean Christians all over this country are just, this this country and really the world is filled with Christians that have not been discipled, not been trained to understand ministry. And ministry is you letting go of you for the sake of others. So, so whenever, for example, you get a big group, Miss Rachel's uh, helping with this group of ladies singing and all that kind of stuff, I, I'm sure someone, someone, and I, I don't mean to be divisive by saying this, but I'm sure someone thought, well, maybe this person could do that verse instead of the person that she has doing. doesn't matter. It's not about you. Someone was asked to do something. They stepped in that void, and they're filling that void, and they're doing it. So you, you ought to say, praise God, we're singing. I mean, I'm just, I'm just throwing an example. No one's come to me and complain about the song. Don't read into that more than you ought to. You know, uh, Joe, Joe is not going to pass. I think we really need to change that. No, that did not happen. All right. I, I'm just using this as an illustration because in church, in a church setting all over the country and really all over the world, you have people that just walk around thinking about themselves. And, and, and listen, that you will never enjoy the Christian life. What are they thinking about me? I don't want to talk. To, it's so weird. I, I, some people, you know what they do? They have to be the center of attention in order to be noticed. You know what other people do? They run away from any kind of communication. So everybody goes, oh, come here. We love you. Oh, come here. You say, what's the problem? Same problem. Manifested differently. It's still all about you. It's you thinking about you instead of you thinking about God <laughs> and you thinking about others. And the ministry becomes a great joy when you let go of you. And John the Baptist is going, guys, this wasn't about me. Anyways, look at John chapter 1. And this is supposed to be Bible study, not preaching. I don't know what's happening right now. Look at John 1. Look at verse uh, 32. John 1, verse 32. And John bare record saying, uh, I'm sorry, but one more thing, one more thing. You know how many times someone's come up to me and says, what you said offended me? And, and I feel like saying, Great. Now, you know what that is, though? You know what that really is? is? You say, well, they're convicted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what the other thing is? You are literally acting as if I woke up in the morning and thought, oh, man, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach an entire message for that person. By the way, little trick of the trade for pastors, little inside behind the curtain, you know, the Wizard of Oz and all that kind of jazz. Anytime I've ever even tried doing that, the person I was thinking about was absolutely not present. So I quit doing that years ago, and I just preached what God wants me to preach. So when someone goes, I can't believe you said that, and you knew that, I, I, didn't, I wasn't thinking about you. You know what I was thinking about? What God wanted me to preach to his people. The problem is, you're still thinking about you. And listen, I'll tell you what, uh, Brother Billy Hoff taught me a couple of things, and one of the things he taught me was, uh, brother, preaching is like throwing rocks down a dark alley. That's what he mean. He said, well, down a dark alley is usually some kind of alley cats, dogs, you know, you know, things like that. He says, you take rocks and you start throwing them. Eventually, you're going to go, arr, 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 arr. He says, and whenever you hear that, instead of going, oh, I'm so sorry, just know that means the hit dog just is starting to yell. Someone got convicted and they're barking instead of going, all right, Lord, I get the message. Uh, look at John 1, verse 32. And John made a record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him, and I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending. Now, what he's saying is this. God the Father sent John the Baptist to, uh, John, uh, God the Father commissioned John the Baptist to be the forerunner for Jesus Christ. And what John is saying here is, I didn't really know Jesus as Messiah. I knew him as my cousin. But knowing him as the Christ, and this is where it's revealed. Uh, look, if you would, at verse uh, 33. Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. 
and I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. In other words, uh, go, go to Matthew 3, see the other historical account. In other words, um, I know that this one is sent. I know Jesus Christ is sent from heaven. God, the Father who commissioned me, said, hey, whenever you see the Spirit of God descending like a dove upon this person, he's the man. And so when everyone's kind of freaking out, going, Every, they're leaving our church and they're going to his church, in so many words. They're, they're not following us anymore, now they're following Jesus. John's not freaking out. John's going, great, this is the plan. I, I was here just as a transitional tool. I was just here to point, listen, guys, if you think about it, John the Baptist is a great picture of us as believers. We're just here to point people to Jesus Christ. Uh, look at Matthew 3, uh, Matthew chapter 3, and uh, look, if you would, at verse number 16. And this is John. Look, if you look back to verse 13, you see this is John baptizing Jesus. And look at verse 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened upon, unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So you know what that is? That is a testimony from heaven. That is revelation from heaven that Jesus is, in fact, the Son of God. Uh, look, if you would, at Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. Matthew 16. The witness from the Father points us to the fact that Jesus is, in fact, we're going to see this over and over this morning, that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah, the Christ. Uh, and it's important to note this because what John's going to say in a moment is, I'm not the Christ. I I'm only here to point you to him. Uh, look at Matthew 16. And look, if you would, at verse number 17. Matthew 16, verse number 17. And Jesus, and, uh, well, go back to verse 16. Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ. Underline the word thee. That's a definite article. That's important. It's not just thou art a Christ. Thou art Christ. Thou art what? The Christ. That's the Christ of God. Uh, you read about that in Luke chapter 2. All right, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then look at who Jesus attributes that understanding and revelation that Peter announces. Look at who he attributes this to. Verse 17, And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed unto thee, but my Father, which is where? Amen. So when John says, A man can do nothing except to be given him from heaven, what he's saying is this, is that I know for a fact that Jesus is in Christ, uh, is in fact the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. So this is fitting that people are now leaving our group and going to his group because our group was really all about getting everybody ready for him. <laughs> all right, look if you would at uh, John chapter 6. Actually, no, go to 1 John 5. Sorry, 1 John 5. 1 John chapter 5, toward the end of your Bible. 1 John chapter 5. Hey, babe, I don't need it now, but maybe in between water. I don't need it now. It's okay. It's just between Sunday school and morning service. First John chapter 5. First John. I was talking to Joe. Hey, babe. Just kidding. That wasn't Joe. First um, <laughs> John. Happy birthday. First John chapter 5. Uh, look, if you would, at verse uh, number 6. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. Talking about not just through uh, 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 the, the, the physical birth, but also through his death. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is true. That's Romans 8. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, right? Uh, look at verse 7. For there are three that bear record where? The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. 
So again, when, 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 when John the Baptist is saying, look, guys, I am not worried about this because unless it is from heaven, in other words, unless it is of God, this is not going to last and these things wouldn't be happening. John's not worried about it because John's not all about himself. John understood his position was simply to point people to Jesus Christ. Um, and, and so I would encourage you a couple of things here. Number one, all right, uh, when it comes to from a doctrinal standpoint, understand this. That we, are, we don't just believe Jesus Christ by blind faith. The term blind faith is really kind of irresponsibly stated. Uh, that, that's not what Christianity is. Christianity is faith because I can't see Jesus Christ right now. But it's not blind, meaning it's not just a whimsical thought. There were people that literally watched uh, what took place in his lifetime and they wrote it down. One of those things that took place was God the Father speaking from heaven and it's recorded by Matthew and it's also recorded by John about John the Baptist speaking about Jesus Christ. And so you got all these different witnesses starting with one that comes from heaven and works its way down to us. All right, so go back to John chapter 3, John 3, and you're going to notice something that John the Baptist says here. John chapter 3, you're going to notice something that he says that's really, really telling, I believe. Uh, and, and there's a lot that goes uh, on in these next few verses that you might miss if you're not careful. Uh, look at uh, verse number uh, 28. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ. In other words, guys, I told you this. You guys are getting a little too comfy with me. Like, I'm not the guy. <laughs> that's kind of what John's saying there. Is like, look, you've been following me, which I appreciate, but understand, I'm not him. I, I love these uh, athletes. I'm him. I'm him. You're not him. You're not him. If we're talking about him, you're not him. All right. I know what they mean by I'm him, you know, but you're not him. All right. Uh, John, John the Baptist is saying, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. Look at verse 29. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. Now, John's going to explain why he's not the Christ. And he does that in verse 29. Now, you might get confused out of your mind with the next verse, so we're going to make sure we break it down. Uh, but look at verse 29. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. Now, uh, back in the day, they didn't just refer to the groom as the groom. He was the bridegroom, all right? In other words, he was the groom that, that, that took the bride, right? So called the bridegroom. So he that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, this is another part. You got the bride, then you got the groom, then you got the friend, all right? So, so notice here in verse number... Uh, 29, but the friend of the bridegroom which standeth and heareth him rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, notice this, uh, John is referring to himself in the third person up until the end of the verse. He's talking about the friend of the bridegroom listening to the, uh, the groom's voice and being excited about that. And, and he says this at the end of the verse, this my joy, now it's first person, therefore is fulfilled. So clearly, John is the friend, Jesus Christ is the groom, and we're going to learn this, the church is the bride. So uh, before I get to, to breaking all of that down, uh, a couple of things here uh, uh, up on the, the screen. God in the flesh has a title, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. I know I've been through this before with some of you, uh, but, but it's, it's worth repeating again, all right? Lord refers to his deity. In other words, he's God, all right? Jesus refers to his humanity, all right? And then Christ refers to his anointing. In other words, 
Uh, all through the Old Testament, sorry, we're going uh, lame there on the black, right rid of that one, that's no good. Um, so, so what you have here, Christ, all throughout the Old Testament, there were three offices, prophets, priests, and kings. And when they were to take on their office, they were anointed before they would begin their ministry, all right? And, and so, you know what Jesus Christ is? He's called that prophet, Deuteronomy. He's our high priest, Hebrews. And he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's all three. All right? So there's a three and one within the three and one, right? Uh, and so when you look at the term Christ, it means anointed. However, not everything that's anointed is anointed of God. Some things are anointed by Satan. Some things are ordained and blessed by the devil. And I'm going I'm to show you, uh, to you in a moment what I mean by that. Uh, but when we talk about uh, back, uh, back at the early, I'd say this. If you listen to preaching from the early 20th century, People refer to the Lord oftentimes as the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and that kind of changed over time, became the Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. And then now it's kind of the Lord, or they just say Jesus. And I, look, I'm not saying if I ever preach a message and I talk about Jesus, he ah, should call him the Lord Jesus Christ every time. I didn't say that. But, but there's something about that title that's very significant, all right, because it shows the complete nature of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, of, of him as God, of him as man, and of him as the anointed of God. So he's the Lord's Christ. Look at Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We're not going to look at all the verses here, but I do want you to see this one. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, look at verse number 26. Talking about Simeon and how he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Uh, look at verse 26. And it was revealed unto him, unto Simeon, by the Holy Ghost, that he should not see death, he would not die, before he had seen who? The Why does it say the Lord's Christ? Because there's also another Christ that is not of the Lord. Actually, there are many false Christs, according to the Lord's warning to his disciples. There are many that come with a false anointing. Uh, Paul talks about uh, the devil uh, uh, and his ministers being transformed into angels of light. All right, and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. Listen, keep in mind Lucifer, loose, light bearer, right? People go, oh, I went to the light. I went to the light. Maybe it's the wrong light. You don't know. Uh, you better make sure it's the light of the world, Jesus Christ, not the other one. All right, but, but the idea is this, that there is a, a specific uh, 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 calling on the Lord Jesus Christ that, that's, that verifies who he is. And that calling comes from God the Father. He's anointed by the Spirit of God. If you remember from the Old Testament, uh, Old Testament, they would anoint them with oil. And if you look at the New Testament, oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And so when the Holy Spirit comes down at the baptism of Jesus Christ there in Matthew 3 and Luke chapter 4 and all that, when you see that, we, what you're watching is this. The Lord from heaven is going... I'm anointing him. I am commissioning him now. That's why John the Baptist knew him as his cousin, but not as the, the Christ, the Son of God, until that moment. And so there he is getting baptized. And the Spirit of God comes down. He anoints him. And what does that make him? The Lord's Christ. Well, why is that significant? Well, it's significant because uh, there are other Christs. There are false Christs. Uh, as a matter of fact, look, if you would, at Matthew 24 and 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Matthew 24. Matthew 24. And, and by the way, the, the, the garbage that's going on in the world today, all of it, all of it, it, it's all for one purpose. It's to get the entire, uh, to gather all the nations. That's what it is. 
to get them all together. You say, what for? Well, what they think is happening is we're going to get better and we're going to, you know, uh, with AI and with advanced technology and advanced medicine, we're going to complete, you know, we're going to make the world a better place. And, and really all that's happening is the love of many is waxing cold. The more they talk about diversity and inclusion and equity and love and all that stuff, the more people hate each other. It's a weird thing. Um, and, and you say, what, what is it all, what's it all for? Well, th- there's going to be one person that does truly unite the world. And unfortunately, it's the Antichrist. Uh, matter of fact, when Jesus comes back, you know, he, before he sets up his kingdom of perfect peace and righteousness and no crime, imagine living on the earth with people who are not sinless, and yet there's no crime. Kind of hard to imagine, isn't it? Well, guess what? Before all that happens, you know what he does? He brings a sword. Battle of Armageddon. What does the Antichrist do? He comes on a white horse with a bow and no arrow. I come in peace. Right? I come in peace. We come from another planet. We come, bring us to your leader. We come in peace, right? Uh, I mean, the Antichrist is going to do that. Why? Look at Matthew 24. The Lord warned us about this. Matthew 24. Now, let me give you some good news. You will not be here for the reign of the Antichrist. All right? You won't be here for that. I do believe it's possible. I do believe it's possible for there to be, for those who are in their Bibles and in fellowship with the Lord, I think it's very possible for us to know who the Antichrist is when he shows up. Just because he shows up doesn't mean he's going to reign right away. What if he's on the political scene for 20 years before the rapture of the church? We don't know. Uh, But I think this, if you're in your Bible and you are close to the Lord, the greatest picture of this is John the disciple, not John the Baptist, John the disciple, the beloved disciple at the Last Supper. And everyone, Jesus is saying, someone's going to betray me. And everyone's going, is it me? Is it me? Who, you know, and John leans over and goes, Lord, he leans on his breast. And he goes, Lord, who is it? He's the only one that gets a picture. He's the only one that gets a revelation about who's going to betray him. And that person that betrays him has to be the person that's called the son of perdition. The only other person in the Bible with that title is the Antichrist. So you know what happens a couple years later in John's life, a number of years later, probably closer to six decades later in John's life, do you know what takes place? John's on the Isle of Patmos, and the Lord says, come up hither. And the Lord gives him a revelation of things which will be hereafter. And you know what happens? John is taken up before everything bad takes place down on earth. And you say, what is that? It's a picture of the church going up before everything bad takes place down here. And guess what? John gets to find out who the Antichrist is before anybody else. And uh, we're going to get to it in 2 Thessalonians in a moment, but uh, pretty wild stuff. Look at Matthew 24. Matthew 24, look at verse 24. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets. Notice not just one, many, many false Christ and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. In other words, understand this. Just because someone is anointed does not mean they are anointed of God. All right. There's a lot of people in the world that use the word, you know, uh, blessed or blessing and not all blessings are of the Lord. Now, I know that's a hard thought. I'm, I'm just I'm not saying if God gave you a raise, you know, the devil gave it. to I didn't say that. I'm just saying like like when it comes to the way the world, the world looks at blessings for the most part in the physical. I got something I wanted. It's a blessing. All right. But just because you got something you wanted doesn't mean it's of God. Right? The Bible is filled with people who manipulate situations around them to get from God what they want. And this world saying, we want God, we want God. Well, maybe they do, maybe they don't. What they're going to get is the Antichrist because they didn't have a love for the truth. They didn't want to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Uh, look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And notice again, John says, I am not the Christ. That's a pretty, it's a very powerful statement, really. Because John's trying to let you know, like, um, I'm pointing others to him, and I want to be very clear that I'm not one of the false Christs. There are going to be many that come in his name that are not sent by him. Uh, and John's trying to let us know, like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not him, right? Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, look if you would at verse 2, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand, that's the, the rapture of the church, let no man deceive and the judgment seat of Christ, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except two things. There come a falling away, that's the church, a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the sin of perdition. Well, who's he revealed to? Uh, I don't know that he's revealed to the earth that way. I, I believe the closest understanding I can have of that verse is this. If you're in, like, like John, like John the disciple, if you're in fellowship with the Lord and you're studying the word of God, there's a good chance that when he shows up, you can go, that's the guy. Now, I'll also tell you this. It's, it's never in the Bible. Uh, it, over and over and over, Paul does not tell us to look for the Antichrist, look for the Antichrist, look for the Antichrist. He tells us to look for the Lord Jesus Christ to come back. But in doing that, when things change around us and we can look at the scripture and go, maybe that's the guy. Maybe there's a revelation right there. Uh, now, now notice what happens. Look at verse 4. What does the Antichrist do? Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. All right. So in other words, what does a false Christ do? They try to replicate or imitate the Lord Jesus Christ. John is letting us know, like, I'm not, I'm not the guy that's here to imitate. Uh, go back to John, if you would. I'm not the guy that's here to imitate. I'm simply here to point you to him. And what he does, he says, look, there's, there's a couple of different parties involved. There's the groom, which is clearly Jesus Christ. All right. And if you were to go back to Song of Solomon, and we don't have time to do that right now, uh, if you go back to a number of places in the Old, Test uh, Old Testament, one of them being Malachi, it talks about Jesus Christ being the Son, S-U-N, the Son of Righteousness that riseth with healing in His wings. You ever read through the book of Psalms and wonder why David says over and over, Lord, how long? When wilt thou arise? Oh, arise, O oh Lord. Lord, arise. He's asking God to get up. Get up from where? His throne. To do what? To come back down here. And so when the Son, S-O-N, comes back, it's like the S-U-N, the Son of of righteousness rising with healing in his wings. Over there in Genesis, there are two lights. One is a greater light, one's a lesser light. You say, what is that? The, the greater light's the sun to rule the day. All right, that's a picture of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ for a thousand years. And then you've got another light, a lesser light. You say, why? Because we're not as important as that one. All right, you know what the moon is? The moon's a dead planet that reflects light from the sun. You know what you are without Christ? You're dead in your trespasses and sins. But you have light in you because of him. And so, you know what you have in the Old Testament? In the Song of Solomon, you have references uh, to the bride, the Gentile bride of Solomon, uh, coming back with him uh, to meet him for a wedding. And she's like the moon, is what it describes her like, like the moon. All right? And so you got Jesus Christ, the sun. You got the moon, the bride. Then you got this third party. You say, who is it? It's the friend. You say, what does the friend do? The friend points people to the groom. 
The friend says, hey guys, welcome to the party. You're here for him. You're not here for me. Uh, And and again, that's kind of the problem I mentioned earlier. When you come to church and make it all about you, it's like, hey everybody, I'm here. And it's like, well, the party's not for me. The party's for the Lord, (laughs) right? Imagine coming to a birthday party and, and you being offended that you didn't get a present. You're not the birthday boy. Well, that's what it's like when Christians come to church and they don't feel like someone notices them. It wasn't, now look, I believe you ought to be friendly and all that kind of stuff. And when someone tells me, well, someone wasn't friendly to me at your church, I'll tell you what, I've been in a lot of churches and I'm not trying to brag on you guys or be proud when I say this. I have not been to many churches that are friendly as this one. You guys are a friendly bunch, all right? Uh, but, but that said, when someone walks in and goes, they weren't friendly, all right, well, were you friendly? A man that has friends must show himself friendly, right? I hear when, when parents go, I just wish my kids could make friends. Tell them not to be a punk. How about that? You know, I just, I, why, they, why can't they make friends? I don't know. Sit them down and, and analyze it and work through it with them and teach them how to serve other people. Amen. Teach them how to walk up to an adult as a kid and go, how's your day? Teach them how to think about other people. You say, why? Oh, well, they're a teenager. They don't look at us adults. You, society's trained that in them. The Bible didn't train that. Adult, teenagers should be able to walk up to adults and have real conversation. It shouldn't be like, how you doing? Fine. You know, like, that's not normal. That's society. Society's not normal. Okay? Now, now what, am I, what I'm trying to really get at is this. If you want to have a friend, you be friend. That's a practical lesson there, right? Uh, but the truth is this. As a friend, you don't make it all about you. A good friend isn't like, you know, someone has a bad day, and they're like, you ever met those people that tell you about how bad their day is, and then the resp- you go to a friend that you tell them, here's my day, it's so bad, and they go, oh, yeah, my day was bad too. <laughs> And like, you ever have friends like that? And after a while, you just go, I don't know that I want to talk to them anymore. All right? Because you realize they're not really there for you. They're there for them. Well, let me ask you a question. Who are you here for, for yourself or for him? Can you point people to him? Or do you make it all about you? If I'm having a good day, I'll talk about him. If I'm having a bad day, I don't want to talk to him. I don't want to talk about him. So John the Baptist goes, hey, guys, it's not about me. It's about him. All right, John the Baptist is that friend. However, uh, just like in our practical lives, there are false friends as well. And there's a false friend that tries to get into the wedding. Look at Matthew 22. Matthew 22. Matthew 22. And then we'll look at Matthew 26. Matthew 22. Look, if you would, at verse number 1. Matthew 22. And this is a parable, a kingdom of heaven parable, Matthew 22, verse 1. And Jesus answered and spake of them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. So the picture is God the Father making a marriage, a wedding for his son. All right, now now we're going to skip a lot of this stuff. Go down, if you would, to uh, verse number 11. And when the king came in to see the guests... He saw there a man which had not, an, uh, had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Why is that capitalized? You've got to ask yourself that question. Um, keep your, you know what, yeah, we'll read it and we're going to go somewhere else. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having on a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king of the servants, Bind him hand and foot and take him away. And cast him in outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's almost like someone tries to slip in another way. They're not coming through the right channels. Look at John chapter 10. John chapter 10. John chapter 10, Jesus Christ is the shepherd of the sheep. 
John chapter 10. John 10, look at verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, that he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a what? Doesn't it say the devil came not but for to steal? Steal like a thief and to kill and destroy? Uh, you say, who's trying to come up another way? Well, I can tell you it's someone that pretends to be a friend. All right, look at 2 Thessalonians 2. We're going to go back to Matthew 26 in a moment. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So John's, there's a lot in what John is saying right here that you might miss out on if you're not careful. And I'm trying to extract it here for you as we, we go through the passage. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And look, if you would, at verse number 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. John, in his letter in First uh, John and Third John, talks about a, a spirit of antichrist that's already in the world today. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. I'm not going to explain that verse now. There's a lot of people that misunderstand that verse. We're going to skip that for now. Look at verse 8. And then shall that what? Why is it capitalized? It's a person. Bingo. Just like in John 1, in the beginning was the word, capitalized, it's a person. So wicked here is a person, it's the Antichrist. Why would friend be capitalized? Look at Matthew 26. When they come to arrest Jesus Christ, the Roman soldiers come, and guess who's leading the whole crew? Yeah, look at Matthew 26, and look at verse number 50. Isn't it crazy how people say the Bible needs to be updated? No, you just need to read it. There's a lot of really deep stuff in there. And by the way, what I'm showing you right now, you can't find in modern Bibles. The cross-references are gone. Uh, look, if you would, at verse uh, Matthew 26, uh, verse number uh, uh, verse 49. Forthwith, he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. Who's that, Judas? Like a friend. Why would you call him Master? You're literally turning him over to be arrested. But he says the right things. By the way, uh, know this, there'll be some people in your life that say the right things, but they're not really your friend. Right. Remember this, open rebuke is better than secret love. Uh, look if, at verse 50. And Jesus said unto him, what did he call Judas? Wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. Now you say, who's that friend in Matthew 22 in that parable? I think it's the Antichrist. And uh, Judas is also called the son of perdition. And so you know what John does? John goes, hey, look, I'm not the false friend. I'm not the bride because uh, not, we're not trans, right? I'm not the groom, right? I'm the friend. All right, look if you would at, uh, let me show you something. Look at Psalm 41. Psalm 41. Psalm chapter 41. Psalm 41. And look if you would at verse number... Nine. This is prophecy, and it's prophecy about the life of Christ. Psalm 41, verse 9. Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. You know, Jesus is talking about it through prophecy in David's writings. Judas. What did he call him? My own familiar friend. All right, look at Zechariah chapter 13. Zechariah 13. Second to last book of your Old Testament, Zechariah chapter 13. Sunday school is just that, guys. We're in school right now, amen? Zechariah 13, and look if you would 
at uh, verse number six. And one shall say to him, what are these wounds in thy hands? You know, the wounds that hurt the most from people are the ones you get from friends. The wounds that hurt the most are the ones you get from Christians, right? The ones you get from people you trusted, the ones you get from family that you love, the, the people that are closest to you, when they hurt you, it hurts the most. So you know what Jesus does in his humanity? He expresses for us, if you're going to minister to people, you have to be willing to be vulnerable. Even knowing from the beginning that one would betray him and then watching the characteristics of all of them, and I'm sure at some point he already knew it was Judas, and yet he still loved him all the way to the end. You know that tells me you want to minister to people, you're going to get hurt. You go, then fine, I'm not going to do it. Okay, well, you miss out on the blessings too. You're going to have, it's a package deal. But, but notice what happens here, Zechariah 13, verse 6. What are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer, this is the Lord talking, those with which I was wounded in the house of my what? So, so when we see here that uh, the, over where John, go back to John chapter number 3, uh, John chapter number 3, when John mentions the groom and he mentions the bride, the groom is Jesus Christ, the, the bride is the church, and that's not even be, uh, revealed yet. Uh, at this time, because they don't know there's going to be a church. Uh, and of course, their friend is, is John the Baptist. Uh, and John the Baptist is an Old Testament prophet. The Bible says in Luke 16, verse 16, all the law and the prophets were until John. In other words, the Old Te- John is part of the Old Testament group, but he's there as a friend to point others to the groom. All right, So, so he's not the Christ, he's the friend. Look at John chapter 3. And look at verse number 30. And look what he says here. John chapter 3, verse 30. He says, he must increase, but I must what? You know how you grow in the Christian life? You grow by letting go of you. That's how you grow. A sign of maturity is not someone that walks around thinking about themselves, but the sign of maturity is someone that that walks around. You know, I'll tell you this. If you're selfish, get married. If you're still selfish, have kids. They'll beat it out of you, man. I mean, 2 a.m., they're going to scream at the top of their lungs. Anyone that's got little ones knows what I'm talking about. Ah! And those babies will never, when you go get them and their tears are streaming down their face, acting like they're going to get neglected for the rest of their lives, and you pick them up and you go to feed them, they're never going to go, sorry, Mom, I really didn't want to wake you up. I really apologize. And, uh-uh, man. It's just feed me right now. The sign of maturity is someone that thinks about others. All right? So you know what, what John says? He says he must increase. Now, I want you to understand, those things are synonymous. He's not going to increase unless you decrease. Because God is not going to fight over who gets to fill the spot. He's not going to do it. You know what God's going to do? If you want to fill it with yourself. Now, I want to explain some things, doctor. Look at Acts chapter 9 real quickly. Because what we're talking about is being filled with the Spirit. We're going to have to stop here. Uh, But I do want to explain this much from a doctrinal standpoint. The moment you got saved... You were baptized in the Spirit, and you were filled with the Spirit of God. That happened the moment you got saved, all right? Now, now that's a, that's a once in a life. I don't have to get saved and get saved and get saved. I got saved once, right? Um, you're born again. And at that moment in time, what happens is the Spirit of God comes inside of you. He seals you. He dwells inside of you, and He fills you. Look at Acts chapter number 9. Acts 9, and then we'll look at Ephesians 5, and we'll stop there. Acts chapter 9 and verse number 17. This is the conversion of Saul, who eventually becomes Paul the Apostle. Acts 9 verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, 
the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way, as thou camest, hast sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight, and be filled with who? All right. So when Paul got saved, and listen, that now his experience is different. I realize we don't all get a flash of light from heaven and you know fall to the ground and all that stuff when we get saved. But it's a picture of something. When you got saved as a born-again believer, the Spirit of God came inside and filled you. All right. Now, since that time, go to Ephesians 5. Every single moment and every day of your life, you are deciding how much of the Spirit of God remains to fill you and how much you fill uh, uh, yourself with yourself. How much of yourself do you feel uh, with the world or with the, the, uh, the flesh or with sin or with your own thoughts or with your own desires versus how much of you is filled with the Spirit of God? And the, basically the way it works is this. When you're filled with you, the Spirit, and it's not the Spirit of God leaves you. you. He is with you till the end. Thank God for that. He has sealed us under the... He doesn't leave us, but He has, as the Bible says, we can grieve the Spirit and we can quench the Spirit. All right, so look at uh, Ephesians 5 and verse number 18. Notice what it says here. Uh, and this is instruction for believers, New Testament Christians. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the what? Spirit. Now, let me say this right now. If that was an automatic, he wouldn't say it. He wouldn't say, be filled with the Spirit. By the way, do you know what that is in, uh, in, in English, the English language? That's an imperative statement. That is, you are being commanded to do something. All right, so when he says, be filled with the Spirit, it's you are the subject. You be filled with the Spirit. All right, well, guess what that means? If he's telling me to do it, that means I can choose not to be. Because I can be filled with me. So when he says, he must increase, but I must decrease, not only is this a historical event, where John the Baptist is kind of fading out of the picture, and the ministry of Jesus Christ is ascending, but it's also a great picture of this. If we want God to work in our lives, we need to let go of being filled with us and be filled with him. Let's all stand. We'll be dismissing a word of prayer. We'll take a 10-minute break. We'll come back at 5 after and get right into the morning service.